Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a live episode of Flippin' Bats. There is so much happening that we had to bring it to you live. Every second, it feels like there's something happening right now. I was sitting here about a week ago worried about when baseball was going to come back, and here we are now talking every single hour, it seems like, about a new trade happening. So we wanted to do this show live so that all this information can be up to date and ready to roll, but spring training is rolling now. Games start in just a couple of days. Moves are happening left and right. Literally, as I'm going live, Matt Olson signs for eight years, and he's wrapped up by the Braves, which is a, a crazy deal that we'll get to, uh, obviously, a good bit later as well. Um, but look, this is going to be a fun episode. We have a lot of spring training stuff to talk about, some storylines, uh, some trades, some free agency moves. And then, of course, later, I'm going to be continuing my top five list. And last week, we talked about pitchers and catchers. This week, we're going to talk about corner infielders, top five first basemen in the league for this year, and top five third basemen for this year as well. But let's get right into it and start talking about some of the top spring training storylines that we've seen so far, because there's already been a good bit of these. There's already been a good bit of storylines. First and foremost, yesterday came out, Jacob deGrom has said that he's going to be opting out after this year. Jacob deGrom, I think consensus, hands down, the best pitcher on planet Earth right now, has said, yeah, you know, after this year, um, I'm going to be opting out, and I don't want to make this a big deal. I'm excited to pitch this year. I think our team is great, but it's just kind of the nature of the beast. It's the business aspect of it. And it really got me to thinking, let's, let's take a step back here and look at what's happened. Jacob deGrom, who I think we can all agree is the best pitcher on the planet right now, sees a new teammate come in, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is making a good bit more money than him. Which, look, you had to do what you had to do. You know, Uncle Steve comes in town, Steve Cohen comes in and just starts paying everybody all this money. And Jacob deGrom says, hold up, I, I love it here, but I, I, I deserve my money. I, I deserve to get paid. I deserve that. DeGrom reiterated that he'd love to spend his whole career with the Mets, and he said he'd be in constant contact with them throughout the upcoming offseason. But he doesn't want extension negotiations to be an in-season distraction, the same tactic he took in 2019. So this is interesting. He's going to opt out, and man, are you going to have to pay the man. But he's made it clear he wants to be a Met. He said he loves it. He thinks it'd be cool, his quote. I think it'd be cool to be a Met my entire career. But he is going to opt out, and that's going to be interesting to see what the Mets do and how much they pay him, because it's going to have to be a lot. Another storyline. Let's shift, let's shift leagues. Let's, sh let's shift coasts. Let's go out to the West Coast, talk about the Angels and Mike Trout. Mike Trout, speaking of who is the best pitcher on the planet, Mike Trout is the best baseball player on the planet. And it came out on, on Twitter the other day, before camp even started, 
that Joe Madden and the Angels were thinking about moving Mike Trout to left field. And then Mike Trout gets to camp, and they start asking him, and uh, he says, yeah, I'm going to have a talk with Joe Madden about that. So this tweet came from Jeff Fletcher. Mike Trout said he and Joe Madden had a talk today about whether he should play center field. He said they're on the same page, but added he prefers to play center field. He also added that he found out about this on Twitter. Mike Trout, the greatest baseball player in the league and, and top five baseball player of all time, found out that the team wants to change his position on Twitter. A little while later, after Mike Trout and Joe Madden had a conversation, <laughs> Joe Madden spoke to the media and said, Mike Trout is playing center field. And that's that. <laughs> How great is that? Well, and I, I do have a couple of thoughts here. You have the best player in the planet. He's in his prime. He's 30. He's got eight more years, eight, nine more years left on his contract. Why are you, one, why are you moving him? And why would you just come out and say to social media, to, to the media that you're going to move him without telling him first? It, it just doesn't make sense. You know, and then there's a lot of talks about, like, it's less wear and tear on your body at the corner outfield. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that at all. Mike Trout is a center fielder. And when Mike Trout decides that he doesn't want to play center anymore and that he thinks he should move, then he will do it. But Mike Trout, if Mike Trout came to the Angels tomorrow and said, hey, I want to try to start this year at, uh, at shortstop, you know what they'd probably do? They'd do it because they need him in the lineup. Mike Trout should be the one to decide if he wants to make a career-changing move like that. Bob Nightingale, who's been on this show a couple times in the past couple of weeks, with this tweet of Mike Trout at the press conference saying, Mike Trout says he's interested down the road in moving from center field to a corner spot, but not quite ready to make it a full-time move. I agree. I agree, and this is certainly something that should have been talked about to him, specifically. But a, a storyline nonetheless that needed to be touched on. But we're going to stay with the Angels here and talk about who else? Shohei Otani. Here's my tweet from this. He's back. The reigning unanimous AL MVP, Shohei Otani, has officially arrived at spring training. Um, man, this is, this is cool. And, and you can see how important he is to the game of baseball. Everybody was waiting for his arrival. Then the first day of spring training, Yesterday, he's out there taking BP, and you have fans everywhere. You have hundreds of fans out there cheering for him and chanting for him. How cool is that? I mean, this was, this was, this was awesome. His translator, Ipe, right there, getting him on video, watching him. AL MVP Shohei Otani battering some baseballs in the Angels' first full workout of spring. He's back. And speaking of Ipe, his translator, another cool story from this. He's an employee of the Angels, okay? He is Shohei's translator, but he is employed by the Angels. So during the lockout, he wasn't able to talk to Shohei. He wasn't going to be able to. So he resigned. He resigned from the Angels and was able to communicate with Shohei and be with him in Japan and go about business as usual. But now he's back, and the lockout ended, and one of the first things that the Angels did was rehire Ipe, his translator. 
And I just think that's, I think it's a cool story. Because they're a dynamic duo, and he's back. But those are just some of the, some of the storylines that we've seen so far in spring. Uh, of course, I got to talk about Shohei. Shohei's back. But there are some other things to talk about, a lot of other things to talk about. And we're going to head on over to second base now and, and talk about, look, this isn't, this isn't as exciting news. There was, some, there was some stuff that came out yesterday and over the last couple of days that haven't exactly been great news, kind of scary, some scary talks from some of the game's best players. First being Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets shows up and says that he was in a really bad car accident. Uh, a really serious accident and that he is just thankful to be alive. That's scary. Pete Alonzo on his way from Tampa to uh, the spring training site got in a really bad accident, flipped his car three times, landed upside down, kicked his, kicked his windshield in, and his wife was actually right behind him and had this video of the accident. So if you're watching this on, on YouTube or live, this is, this is scary stuff, man. Pete Alonzo's wife, Haley, just posted this video on her Instagram of Pete's car crash yesterday. Pete said today the car flipped three times and he had to kick out the windshield to escape. That's really, really bad. And he said uh, he was going through an intersection and somebody ran a red light and T-boned his truck and it flipped two and a half, three times, and he landed upside down. And his wife, he said his wife was a hero, got out, alerted the authorities, and then came out and like had other people. It was kind of like directing traffic, doing a bunch of stuff, but just a really scary situation. And, and just something that makes you realize, like, just, just appreciate every day. And, you know, I, I didn't want to get too deep here, but, you know, Stuff like this can happen at the drop of a hat, and just make sure you appreciate every day, and Pete Alonzo said just as much. And yesterday ends up getting into the locker room, fully fine, okay, a little mentally, um, you know, scarred, clearly, but said he's ready to go in spring training, and he'll be just fine, but he's, he's lucky to be alive, which is, yeah, pretty crazy. So another, another accident that we need to touch on is Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis, it came out yesterday that he has a fractured wrist and that he will be missing some time. So I don't know if you guys remember, but back in December, news broke and came out that Tatis was in a motorcycle accident in the Dominican and that it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge deal. There were scrapes and bruises, but he was fine. This tweet comes from John Heyman. Fernando Tatis described his early December motorcycle accident as minor scrapes. But folks close to the situation wonder whether he suffered the wrist fracture then. When he felt pain hitting in a scrimmage a month ago, doctors suggested the wrist injury did not look new. So here's what happened. And there, this, there's a lot of complexities to this issue. Fernando Tatis gets in the motorcycle in December thinks he's fine, goes about his business, and then starts ramping up for baseball. And what do you know? Hey, this does kind of hurt. I need to get this checked out. Turns out it's fractured. It looks like it's from old. So it's not official. We can't pinpoint it. But it certainly looks like this happened from his motorcycle accident. Now, let's talk about the complexities of this situation. Major League Baseball was in a lockout in December and January and February. You have 
the star, one of the faces of Major League Baseball, and he gets in a motorcycle accident in the offseason, and he can't communicate with his team. He's not, he's not able to talk to them. Bob Nightingale tweeted, one of the repercussions of the 99-day lockout was the inability for players to speak with team doctors and training staff. Fernando Tatis had a motorcycle accident in early December that resulted in scrapes and bruises, but he was unable to be examined by Padres officials. Yeah, I tweeted out something similar. In fact, we, I think we should have used my tweet instead of Bob Nightingale. So, oh, my producer coming in. He's got it. When asked when his motorcycle accident happened, Fernando Tatis answered, which one? And I said, yikes. Yeah, you know, like, when they were talking to him about this yesterday at spring training, obviously, I don't want to say tensions are high, but emotions are a little dampened. You know, you have one of the stars of MLB, um, and they're talking to him about this situation, and they ask, like, do you think it was the motorcycle accident that was the cause of this fractured wrist? And instead of saying yes or no, he said, which one? So apparently he's been in multiple, <laughs> multiple motorcycle accidents, and it just adds a whole nother layer. So yeah, the lockout makes it a, a tricky situation because he's not able to communicate with team officials. He knows it's hurt, but you can't just go to a random doctor and then they say like, yeah, you need surgery, and you still can't talk to the Padres. So then you show up three months later and you're like, hey, guys, I got surgery. I'm going to be missing some time. You can't do that. He had to talk to Padres officials and he wasn't able to at the time. So that made it tricky. So now here we are. Now they're like, hey, you might need surgery. You might be missing like three months of time, something that could have happened a little while ago. And then on top of that, you have the contract situation in every single professional contract, even mine. In, in the minor leagues, the second you sign a contract, you're told, hey, here's what you can't do. Everything is on there. You can't skydive. You can't ride a motorcycle. You can't go skiing. You can't play in a basketball game. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But one thing that is very clear is motorcycles are a no-go. You can't do that. So the Padres actually came out yesterday and said that they will not be voiding any of the contract. They won't, they, they won't go through any of that process. They love Fernando Tatis. They want that deal to stay intact. They want a good relationship on both sides. But it, do, it does add a tricky situation to that. But thankfully, um, there, were no more, there were no serious injuries. Uh, he does have this wrist issue that we'll, we'll have to keep monitoring. They might, he might have to have surgery. He's going to miss some time. An interesting situation nonetheless. And today, Bob Melvin, who is the Padres manager now, a fantastic manager, so I'm excited to see what this Padres team can do with him, basically just comes out and says, yeah, his motorcycle days are over. And that puts it, that puts it pretty clear. His motorcycle days are over. But let's head on over to third base and talk about some free agency. Man, we had heard when the lockout ends, free agency is going to be crazy get ready, it's going to be wild. And then we had about 24 hours after the lockout ended where nothing was happening. You're like, what's going on? And, and now it's all, oh man, the dominoes are falling. The dominoes are falling fast. But let's first talk about Carlos Rodon, one of the first big names to, one of the first big names to sign signs with the San Francisco Giants. What a great pickup for that rotation he's going to be. 
he really came onto the scene last year with the White Sox, and I couldn't be more happy for this guy. I, I tweeted this as well. Um, he's had a tough career, a lot of injuries, injury-ridden career. The White Sox gave up on him, non-tendered him, you know, optioned him, let go of him, and then ended up giving him another chance. He signs back, and then he takes off. And then last year was a contender for the Cy Young Award, had a fantastic year, and now he's getting paid. So a great pickup for the Giants, who have lost Kevin Gosman, um, but now get another great arm back in the rotation. Next, Joe Kelly, reliever from the Dodgers, is now on the move heading to the White Sox. Look, Joe Kelly has some of the best stuff in baseball. This guy has a sinker that's close to 100 miles an hour that falls off the table, a great curveball, an attitude that goes along with it. He's not scared. He's not going to back down from anybody. He can be a great piece in a bullpen, a bullpen that already has Liam Hendricks, Garrett Crochet, uh, uh, now Kendall Graveman, Joe Kelly. I mean, the, the names go on for this bullpen. So a great addition there for the White Sox picking up Joe Kelly on a two-year deal. Next up, Kikuchi. Yasei Kikuchi. Yusai Kikuchi. Three years, three, uh, $36 million to the Blue Jays. I love this move. This Blue Jays rotation has gotten themselves to a top three, top five rotation in baseball now. You, get, you lose Robbie Ray to the Mariners and then gain uh, Gosman, who was great last year. Kikuchi, who is going to add some nice depth. Manoa at the back end of the bullpen. Jose Barrios. I mean, this rotation is good, and this has just added depth. Something they desperately needed is a three, four, five guy in that rotation that can give you an outing every fifth day and get you innings. I like this pickup for them. Next up, a big one, a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the best of all time, Clayton Kershaw. And at the end of the day, was he ever really going anywhere? Clayton Kershaw re-signs with the Dodgers. Shout out to our uh, very talented social media team for getting this clean edit of him with the Dodgers jersey. <laughs> that was their tweet. Enjoy this clean jersey swap on Clayton Kershaw. At the end of the day, he re-signs with the Dodgers. It, it, was, it was two teams. It was always going to be two teams. The Dodgers or the Rangers. There were no other teams. He's from, he's from that area. He's from the Dallas area where the Rangers play. But again, at the end of the day, was Clayton Kershaw going anywhere? Well, the answer turned out to be no. And he's going to be in that rotation. And look, he's valuable. They need him. They lose Max Scherzer. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with Bauer. This rotation need, needed and needs Clayton Kershaw uh, to be good. Not, you, you don't expect him to be the Clayton Kershaw of, you know, his, of best, the best Clayton Kershaw we've ever seen. But you need him to be good and you need him to get innings. And they re-sign him and get that deal done and keep him a Los Angeles Dodger. Next up, Nelson Cruz. Boomstick. Signing with the Washington Nationals? The Nationals, really? Well, it turns out he had a couple of conversations the day before and the day he signed. The Padres were one conversation. He talked to Manny Machado. And the Nationals were another one. And he talked to Juan Soto. Apparently, Juan Soto's a good recruiter. Because he's now there. He's going to give Juan Soto some much-needed protection. I Look, I'm excited for Nelson Cruz. He's like 42 years old, and he's getting paid. But I think I'm even more excited for Juan Soto, who is 
perhaps the best hitter in baseball, and now you get, he gets protection. So, look, you can't just easily pitch around him. He's going to get protection. But I, I love this move. And apparently the front office was very straightforward with him and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to try and compete. We're going to go get some more pieces. Look, that catches me by surprise. It's the Nationals. It didn't look like they were getting ready to compete. You lose Scherzer and Trey Turner, but they say they are. And this is kind of proof of that. They get Nelson Cruz, and Juan Soto has that protection now. But let's move on. Angelton Simmons with the Chicago Cubs. Now, I don't think Cubs fans were too excited about this one. They won in Carlos Correa. Talk was, hey, Carlos Correa, they, they've been in talks. There's a, there's a contract. There's talks on the table. Is he going to be the shortstop of the future? And then it comes out, hey, Cubs, you've signed your shortstop. It's Andrelton Simmons. Um, so I don't, I don't think they were thrilled. But they did. They needed somebody there. So you don't look at the offensive production for Simmons. You look at him defensively. He's a great piece uh, up the middle of that lineup or up the middle of the field. He's going to play a good shortstop, but he's certainly no Carlos Correa. So an interesting option for the Cubs. But you just kind of wonder what direction the Cubs are going in. Like they signed Marcus Stroman, but then you hear that they you hear that Carlos Correa has talked to Javi Baez about playing in Chicago, but then they go with Simmons. Interesting pickup for the Cubs. I'm trying to put my pulse my finger on what the Cubs are doing. But this move doesn't make them a winner. This move doesn't make them a contender. So, um, interesting one to say the least. Next up, Andrew McCutcheon signs yesterday with the Brew Crew, the Milwaukee Brewers. I like this. This Brewers team, um, I, I like a lot. I think this rotation is the best in baseball. If not, it's top two. It's, it's right there with the Mets rotation. But this, the problem last year for them, at least in the playoffs, was offense. And you have some good pieces. You have guys that can hit. But they, don't, they didn't hit lefties very well last year. So this is what they do. They bring in Andrew McCutcheon, who you know, is a former, former you know, all-star, perennial all-star, in the all-star game a bunch. But he's, he's not that player anymore. But what he does do is he can play the outfield and he can rake against lefties. So I really like this. I really like this move for the Brewers. Um, he's going to be a good addition, and he really he fixes a weak spot. A weak spot for them was hitting left-handed pitchers, and he's able to do that. He comes in, and he rakes. But, all right, we have a live update. We're doing this show live. I don't know what's coming, but we just hear there is a live update, and it's about Carlos Correa. The Astros plan to make a new offer to Carlos Correa shortly this is why we are doing this show live because things are changing every moment i don't want to talk about something and and this episode come out tomorrow and it's like why are you talking about this when this happened this is why we're doing it carlos correa as we speak right now a tweet comes out that the astros are planning to make him a new offer what is this what is this going to be we'll see Another one from Ken Rosenthal right now, friend, friend of the pod. Just coming out two minutes ago. Astros plan to make a new offer to free agent shortstop Carlos Correa shortly. Sources tell The Athletic. His potential return is creating buzz in camp. Players can't stop talking about it, one source says. Oh, man. Oh, I love this. This is all happening live. Carlos Correa going to get a new offer from the Astros. This, you know, this makes me happy because this is why we're doing this live. 
Now we get to talk about this as it's happening in real time at a perfect part in the show. We're talking about free agents, where they're going to sign. We're talking about Carlos Correa and where he's going to sign. And now as we speak, it looks like the Houston Astros are going to give him, they are going to give him a new offer. Will he sign? I don't know. But he's the most prized shortstop, the most prized uh, offseason piece. And then you have the lockout to throw a wrench in everything. So when all is said and done, does he go back to the Astros? I don't know, but this team is already set up to win. The Houston Astros are already set up to be a winning team. I don't need to tell you what adding Carlos Correa back into that lineup does. So look, he's not going to get that. He's not going to get $300 million. I, I, I can't, you know, I don't know the number. But Jim Crane has basically come out and said that's not going to happen. So what are we going to see here? What are we going to see with this offer? Is Correa going to end up signing a shorter deal? Is it going to be, uh, you know, in the four to six range with a bunch of opt-outs along the way? Because that could help him. What I've seen a lot of is a one-year deal. I just don't believe that's the case. And I don't believe that's fair to Carlos Correa to have to accept that when he's on the verge of getting around $300 million from a team. But he should be expected to sign for what, 30, 40 million for one year and risk an injury and never making that money? No, I don't think that's fair. So what are we going to see here? I think it's going to be a, a mid-year deal, four, five, six years with some opt-outs in there. I don't want to speculate too much, but that would be my guess. Definitely heavy on the opt-out would be my guess. But interesting, interesting update here as we do this Flippin' Bats episode live. Now let's head on to home and talk about some of these trades that have happened in Major League Baseball over the last few days since this lockout ended. Look, we all expected the, the free agency frenzy to be crazy, and it has been. But man, there have been some wild trades. A lot of them. And we're going to get to them right now. First up, a trade between the Rangers and the Twins. The Twins sent catcher Mitch Garver to the Rangers, good catcher, great catching option for them, who they've already spent half a billion dollars this offseason. They get him and send Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to Minnesota. So I start talking about this deal. This is a good deal. What's happening? Well, it turns out Isaiah Kiner-Falefa stays in Minnesota for less than a day. And then we get another trade between the Twins and the Yankees. This one, a big, this, is, this is a big trade, and I have a lot to talk about on this one. But what you end up having, Josh Donaldson, third baseman for the Twins, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, new, newly acquired player for the Twins, in a trade for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela of the Yankees. A, a huge, massive trade. Two pieces that, two starters for the Yankees, Gio and Gary Sanchez. So, Let's talk about this, because this trade kind of took social media by storm. And from my immediate gut reaction, nobody was really too happy about it. Kind of neither side. So the Yankees get rid of Gary Sanchez and Gio, but they take on, this is a big part of this trade, they take on all of Josh Donaldson's contract. All of it. And then get Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who is a defensive-minded can play kind of all over the place, infielder, and a guy that has caught before. He can kind of do it all. But this is an interesting trade for me. 
You're taking on all of Josh Donaldson, who, who, who is a former MVP, a good player, but he's definitely older. So, you know, the Yankees were kind of dead set. It seemed everybody wanted Carlos Correa. We have a hole. We want Carlos Correa. And then it comes out, okay, we're going to get this guy that's much older towards the end of his career, and we're going to pay all of his contract. This is an interesting one. So, you know, I kind of think if I had to pick who won this trade, I, I think I like the twin side of this a little better. I think Gary Sanchez has the tools to be elite. I think he has the tools to be an elite catcher in the game, a top catcher in Major League Baseball. But I just think what happened to him in New York, um, I just I, I think he started to struggle with the whole New York thing and people were getting on him and mentally it just became too tough and he wasn't ever, wasn't ever able to get out of it. And you've seen it time and time again in baseball. Just a change of, change of scenery can help tremendously. And I think Gary Sanchez is the perfect change of scenery guy. But a big blockbuster trade that happened between the Twins and the Yankees, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is a twin for the better part of like 12 hours. And then he's shipped off to New York, who he grew up a fan of, by the way. Um, but next trade up, the New York Mets acquiring Chris Bassett from the Oakland A's. This is one of my favorite trades that has happened so far, if not my favorite. Look, and, and I, I tweeted this, I tweeted about this as well and said, look, the, the, the sexiest moves are the flashy ones. Getting Max Scherzer, to, you know, having Jacob deGrom, getting a, getting a top-tier guy, uh, an, an ace in the rotation. But the moves that win you championships are this one. Having a guy that you can put third in your rotation, that's going to be great. Chris Bassett is an emerging star in the game. He's, he's been great. He's been really good the last couple of years. He was really good last year. And now the Mets acquire him, and you pair him with Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett now, and it's just like, what? how are you supposed to get through? Imagine lining up in a series, a three-game series with the three of them. I love this move for the Mets, and I can't state this enough. These are the trades, the pickups that win you championships. You need a good one-two in the playoffs, but in the regular season, you need a good one-two-three-four and hopefully a five. That's what gets you through the regular season as winners. Then you get into the playoffs, you need at least three starters. They had two dominant guys, now they add a third. Look, I know the whole saying, and I know the joke around New York is the Mets are going to met, and it kind of has become a joke around baseball. Well, let me tell you what. Uncle Steve, Steve Cohen, has stepped in, and he's taken that narrative and thrown it out the window because the Mets are here, and the, Met, the Mets are going to win. I promise you that. The Mets are going to be a good team. I love what they've done. I love what they've done with the outfield. I love what they've now done with the pitching staff. I love everything about it. I love what Steve Cohen is doing. Steve Cohen has come in and said, enough of this. The Mets are going to Met no longer. I'm going to put my money behind them, and we're going to go win some ball games. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to win. I love this pickup. But another one, speaking of the A's, so Chris Bassett coming over from the A's. This is a big one, my friends. This is a massive trade that goes down yesterday. And man, 
Did it break Twitter? You hear all the time it, it broke Twitter. This one, this is a big deal. Matt Olson of the Oakland A's is on the move to Atlanta. Matt Olson, the first baseman, is on the move to the Atlanta Braves. So you hear this trade goes down, and what do you immediately think of? Freddie Freeman. This means the end for Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. Now, I want to talk about Matt Olson first. I want to talk about this trade. The Braves are acquiring a younger, great first baseman. Now, I think Freddie Freeman is one of the top first basemen in baseball. Uh, well, I, I say one of the first. We'll get to that a little later because I told you I have my top five list. And we're doing first baseman and third baseman today. So in just a little while, we're going to see where do I have Freddie Freeman ranked on top first baseman in the league. But now you get Matt Olson, who's 28 years old, an all-star first baseman, 39 home runs last year, 111 RBIs, and the best defensive first baseman in baseball. Hands down, best defensive first baseman. Two-time gold glove winner. And this guy is in contention every year for a gold glove. So let's talk about this. Now he's signed. And as I talked about off the top of the show, you make this trade, and then you lock him up to a long-term deal. Matt Olson signs an eight-year deal with the Oakland A's. So they wrap up their first baseman for years to come. So in the short term, do I think right now that Matt Olson is on the same level as Freddie Freeman? Do I think he is just as good? No, and I'm not going to sit here and say that. But I think he is just a shade behind, and I think he's younger, and now you have him wrapped up for the future. This is a great pickup, and he's a hometown kid. He's from Atlanta. He said in his interview, clearly emotional. I love these interviews after somebody gets traded because it's like, wait, I, I haven't even had time to process this. What, I, I haven't even been able to think about what this means. But he was able to say, if, if I'm going to go anywhere... I'm glad it's Atlanta. I'm from there. I grew up rooting for them as playing in Braves uniforms growing up as a kid. But he's on the move, but it means Freddie's time has come to an end in Atlanta. And, and emotions are flying high with this. I mean, that not only is this a change at first base, but Freddie Freeman is an Atlanta Brave, and it seemed like he was going to be that for life. So this is an emotional move, an emotional day for everybody involved, including the GM, Alex Anthopoulos, who ultimately is the one that makes the move and decides on this. So we have his interview afterwards when he was talking about this. Let's check that out. How many prospects you gave up? Is it anything beyond that, or is it because of... Yeah, sure, but I, you know, I can't get into that. So, um, you know, it's a tough deal. You keep saying that this is one of the toughest deals that you've had to make. It may be obvious because you keep talking about how many prospects you gave up. Is it anything beyond that or is it because of... I mean, you can just see, you can feel the emotion, you can see the emotion. This is tough. You know, it got me to thinking a lot yesterday. Freddie Freeman is one of the greatest Atlanta Braves of all time. Now... 
He's a little bit older. He's 32, wanting a little longer deal, which he will get. Somebody will pay him, and they will be getting one of the best first basemen in baseball. Alex Anthopoulos, the GM, had to make a decision to move on. And it's tough. And, and there's a lot of emotions involved in this. There's a lot going on here. There's players moving, Freddie Freeman realizing he's getting moved on from. Prospects are involved. Christian Pache, Christian Pache probably the top prospect in this move, uh, tweeted this out immediately as the trade happened. My heart is broken. I just found out that I was traded to the A's. I know that's the way this business works, but I want Braves fans to know that I will be eternally grateful to them wherever he goes. Thank you for so much support, for so much love, and for being so special to me. <laughs> I mean, you kind of lose sight as a, as a fan the, the emotions and what this means to players. I mean, Christian Pache just yesterday or two days ago tweeted a picture in the parking lot with Ronald Acuna saying, ready to get back going. And now, just like this, he's uprooted and going across the country to a team he knows nothing about, to a fan base he knows nothing about. It's scary, and you could feel it in his tweets and his emotions. You could feel it. You could sense it. It was an emotional day, especially for Braves fans. And, and this got me to wondering, like, I love this. We need to talk about this move and what it means for the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves, for as much as Freddie means to them, were able to move on, able to go lock up a younger first baseman for now eight years and get a stud at that. So it really got me to thinking, and, and I don't really know the answer to this, but I, I want you guys to think about this. If you're a fan of the Atlanta Braves or any team, and you have a player like Freddie Freeman, who is a little bit older in his career, and, you know, statistically, after your year 32 season, it starts going downhill. But Freddie Freeman is an Atlanta Brave. I think of, like, Atlanta Braves, I think Freddie Freeman, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones. Like, those are the names that come to mind. John Smoltz. So you have a guy like that. Would you rather your team sign him for the deal that he wants a little bit longer, which puts him into, like, his year 38 season where you know you're not going to be getting the production, but keeping him an Atlanta Brave for life. But in the long run, you know it's maybe not the best thing for your organization at, when all is said and done. Or would you rather them go out and make a move like the Atlanta Braves did with Matt Olson, setting themselves up for the future as best as possible. It really is tricky, and that's kind of the emotions that go into this. Do you want your team to keep that guy and be an Atlanta Brave forever, or do you want your team to, to make another move and to move on from that guy and bring in a player that you're going to keep long-term and have be your first baseman for eight years to come? I don't know, but those are the emotions that were flying high in this, in this trade yesterday that went down. But Matt Olson is on the move to Atlanta. And Matt Olson locks up that long-term deal for his hometown team. But we were not done yesterday. The Seattle Mariners and the Cincinnati Reds had a big blockbuster trade, sending Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to the Mariners. This, this shocked me. I didn't even know the Mariners were looking for an outfielder. I saw that this happened, and I was like, oh, my God, who are, who are they giving up? 
And what are they going to do? You have a bunch of you have a bunch of guys in the outfield that I feel like are going to be pieces in that outfield for a long time to come. Jared Kalnick, Julio Rodriguez is on the way. Um, you have Kyle Lewis. You have Taylor Trammell. You have a bunch of guys that it's like they have to be getting rid of one of them. One of them is on the move. They weren't. So the Cincinnati Reds are just here with an absolute fire sale. The Reds said, I hear you. Hey, look, I, I saw in the new CBA that there's going to be a draft lottery, and the team that finishes dead last doesn't necessarily get the first overall pick. So, you know, we're not guaranteed a great, a great draft pick. Well, it turns out they don't care. They're just fire sailing everybody. Jesse Winker, an all-star. Eugenio Suarez, uh, a former all-star as well, who, might I add, I feel like we're not talking about him enough in this deal. Uh, this deal is about Jesse Winker and getting an all-star and plugging him in that outfield and a guy that just absolutely rakes. But Suarez, coming off a very tough year in September, was one of the best hitters in baseball. And he has the potential to hit 40 home runs in a year. He's been an all-star. He can be a good piece. Maybe he just struggled. And maybe he needs a change of scenery. But he's getting it. What a huge deal for this Mariners team. This AL West is going to be great. Astros, Angels are going to be better. Mariners are going to be good. The Rangers are at least going to be better. This division is going to be really good, and the Mariners have put themselves in a position where I believe they could break the drought and get into the playoffs. You know why? Because they're great and they have fun. Here's my shirt. Fun differential. Seattle baseball. This became a thing last year. The fun differential, baby. That team has fun. That team is fun to watch. So, yeah, I heard you last year saying, well, yeah, they're like on the edge of the playoffs, but their run differential is not good. Like, they've, they've gotten really lucky to be here. Well, I'll tell you what. They have fun more than anybody else, and this year they're going to score more runs than a lot of other people. They're going to be a really good team. Let's not forget they added Robbie Ray earlier this offseason, coming off of a Cy Young Award, a friend of the show. I mean, this team is doing it right. I love what they have done. I love what they've been able to do. And that was the last big trade that we've seen. But things are still happening. Some might happen live on this show. We don't know. It already did once. But that does it for the trades. Let's move over and talk about my top five list. So I'm going to move over to our board over here. And we're going to talk about the top five first baseman in baseball, as well as the top five third baseman in baseball. Now, I want to make a point about this. This is who I think are going to be the top first baseman in 2022. Not who are the top five first basemen heading into 2022. This is who I believe, after the season is done, will be the top five first baseman. So I'm bringing my producer Conrad out here, and we're going to talk about some first baseman. So, Conrad, let's start with first baseman, and let's start with number five. Coming in number five, we have Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals. I really I really like Goldie, and I really like what he was able to do at the end of the year. Look, we all know the hitter and the player Paul Goldschmidt is. He was, I don't want to say struggling, but he wasn't himself to start last year. So now I, I like him to continue the stretch he had at the end of the year. I like him to, to put a really good year together. This guy rakes. He hits a lot of bombs. He's a good first baseman. I like Paul Goldschmidt. I think he's going to be the fifth best first baseman this year. 
number four, Max Muncie. Yeah, Max Muncie um, is kind of a guy that I, th I think is underrated. Look, I think we saw how important he was to this Dodgers team in the playoffs last year. He gets hurt. He has that injury. He misses the playoffs. They're just not the same. Now you get him, and, and one, he's listed as a first baseman. He plays majority of games at first base, but he can play everywhere. He can play second base. He can play third base. Now, might I add, Conrad, this could all change if they sign a first baseman. I hear there's one out there. I hear there's a guy out there named Freddie Freeman, who we might be getting to in a second. But that, that could result in Max Muncy changing over to second base. But look, as it stands right now, I think, I think Max Muncy will be the fourth best first baseman this year. He rakes. He's a really important piece for that lineup. He hits with a lot of power, but he's a good hitter. He adds a totally different dynamic to that team. He, he's patient. He gets on base. I, I like Max Muncy a lot. I think he has a great year this year. Well, before we get to Freddie, let's get to number three, the guy that's replacing Freddie, Matt Olson. Yeah, Matt Olson. Steps in at number three on this list. I, I really like Matt Olson, and we talked about it earlier. 39 home runs last year, an all-star. He's, he's a younger guy. Just now, He's in his prime right now. He's a, he's a perennial gold glove finalist and, and has won a couple of them. He's the best defensive first baseman in the league. The Atlanta Braves, who are right now emotionally, emotionally in a tough place losing Freddie Freeman, are going to fall in love with Matt Olson. It will take some time to get over Freddie Freeman, but they will love Matt Olson because he is one of the top first basemen in baseball, no doubt. Let's move on to number two, Conrad. Number two, you know it has to be Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman steps in just in front of Matt Olson. Now, I haven't been here to say that Matt Olson is an equal replacement to Freddie Freeman because I think right now, as it stands, Freddie Freeman is the option that you would rather have if it, if it meant right now, this year, this season, we need to win. Freddie Freeman is 30, 32 years old. He is, in my opinion, going to be the second best first baseman in all of baseball, and he has been the best or a top three first baseman for, for years now. And I, I love what Freddie Freeman still does. He's a, an MVP. He won an MVP award, and then the year after, he followed that up with a World Series championship and ended the series, you know, hit a huge home run there. I love Freddie Freeman. I'm excited to see where he goes because somebody is going to get the second best first baseman in the league this year, I believe. But let's move on to number one, Conrad. Number one, no surprise here after what he did last year, Vladdy Jr. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. will, I believe, just continue to, to work on work on top of what we saw from him last year. I mean, if it wasn't for Shohei Otani last year, he, he is the unanimous MVP. How crazy is that? You have somebody that would have been a unanimous MVP, I think, that ends up losing it to Shohei Otani, who himself is the unanimous MVP. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. right now is the best first baseman in baseball. He's young. He's just going to continue to get even better and better and better and I'm really excited. I am so excited to see what he's able to do 
this year. But look, this is this is tough, Conrad. It, it's tough coming up with a top five list. There are so many good ones. I wanted to do, um, I don't want to say like a runner-up list, but just some extras. Next five up. Yeah, a next five up list. Five that just missed the cut here. And these are in no particular order. So let's just talk about some that just missed the cut. This one's for the White Sox fans out there. Jose Abreu. Yeah, Jose Abreu is a, a, a former MVP. A, he was he was probably the toughest one for me. I mean, to, to leave off. He He's right there on the cut. He just, you know, I think... He's going to continue to be a really good first baseman for the White Sox. If if there was a number six, if this list was six people long, I feel like he was probably the first one off. Uh, coming up next, the legend Ty France. Yeah, I, I like Ty France a lot, and I know you do as well as a Seattle Mariners fan. Uh, and this name can kind of su- surprise some people. But keep an eye on this guy. More people are going to be watching the Mariners this year because they're exciting. They're going to win. They're going to be really good. But he's kind of an underrated player. People, people are now going to think of um, Jesse Winker and Adam Frazier and Jared Kelnick and all these new names. Keep an eye on Ty France because in the coming years, he's going to be in that first list we made, Conrad. I hope so. Up next, we have the polar bear, Pete Alonzo. The polar bear, Pete Alonzo, who we talked about earlier, um, thankfully, Thankfully, is A-OK after that accident. I like Pete Alonzo. I think last year um, he, he went through a little bit of a struggle and then kind of turned it on. Pete Alonzo rakes. And I really like what Pete Alonzo... I, I really like Pete Alonzo. And he continues to put an effort into his defense and put an emphasis on getting better defensively. And to his credit, he has. He has done just that. We know we're going to get offensively. He's going to hit a lot of bombs. He's going to bring the energy... He's going to bring the passion. I like Pete Alonzo a lot. Next up, we got Yuli Gurriel. Yeah, this one was tough. You know why? He's the reigning batting champ in the American League. And gold glove guy, like good, good defensively. It's tough to leave him off the top five list. But I do have him just outside of that and, and certainly on this list here. Um, he's just, he's just a guy that you can count on, especially in, in big situations. He's a guy that's not going to, he's not going to hit you 30, 40 bombs, but he's going to hit a lot of, he's, he's going to hit for a high average. He's going to play a good first base. He's a really good first baseman. This Astros team is dangerous. And he is certainly, he's not the star of that team. He's not even, he's not one of the core that you think of when you think of the Astros, but this is a guy that makes that team really, really dangerous. And then last but not least, Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, I think Ryan Mountcastle is going to really come onto the scene this year. And for baseball fans that weren't paying all the attention in the world, and, and I don't blame you, there's not, the, the Orioles aren't exactly a team that you want to tune into every single night. But this guy, Ryan Mountcastle, is a stud. I think this year we're going to see him be a top 10 first baseman in all of baseball. And I'm excited for people to to see what he can do. I'm excited to see what he can do after a good last year where he showed flashes of brilliance. Uh, I'm excited to see how he builds on top of that. But that rounds out the first baseman. We went over my top five, and then we did the next five that just missed that. Let's head on to third base and do my top five third baseman for 2022. Coming in at number five in the hot corner, we have Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado. 
Um, what, what more can Nolan Arenado is a stud. Um, defensively, defensively, I, I'd say a top two, three defensive third baseman in baseball. You have Matt Chapman, who's clearly the number one defensively third baseman. But Nolan Arenado is so good over there. He leaves Colorado, and everybody says, will he be able to hit away from cores? The answer is yes. He goes to a new team, a new franchise, moves, and he ends up just having a – he had a really good year. Um, not a typical – not the best. I think Nolan Arenado was a top two, three third baseman in baseball. I still think this year he's going to be a top five third baseman. I think another year in St. Louis where he's under he, – he's you know, he has himself collected. He – he has himself together. He's been there for a year. He knows his way around. He's getting more comfortable. I think he's going to have a better year than he did last year. Coming to number four, Alex Bregman. Yep, Alex Bregman. I think Alex Bregman um, is going to put together an MVP-like season. I think he could be in that conversation when all is said and done. He's ha- He had a down year. He has had a bunch of injuries that have plagued him and not allowed him to be himself. But when Alex Bregman is going, he is one of the best players in baseball. We've seen it before. I think he has a big, big bounce back year, and I think he ends up being in that conversation for MVP when all is said and done. I do. And the World Series champ from last year, Austin Riley at number three. I'm I'm big on Austin Riley. I think... I think when all is said and done with his career, he could he could win an MVP award. I, I, I really like him, and I think he's going to continue to get better and better and better. And I think this year we see him be a top, top three, third baseman in all of baseball. This Atlanta Braves team um, needed somebody to step up last year when everything happened with Ronald Acuna and Mike Soroka ended up, you know, not being able to come back, which is a big blow to them as well. Um, everything that happened with Marcelo Zuna, Austin Riley stepped up, and he showed that he is one of the best first, best third basemen in baseball. And I think he will continue to get even better this year. Come in number two, Rafael Devers. Rafi, Rafi Devers. Um, offensively. Offensively, I think he's I think he's the best third baseman. Uh, if this was strictly offensive, I think he's one of the best offensive guys in, in baseball. The guy rakes. He's going to hit a bunch of bombs. He's really good. Um, he's a scary force at the plate. And he's, he's getting better over at the hot corner. He's getting better at third base. He's still not great, but all you can ask is that he gets better because you know when he's in that lineup. We saw what he's able to do last year down the stretch and in the postseason, this guy was not even close to 100%. Every swing he took, he'd hold his shoulder, and you're like, oh, my God, is he about to come out of the game? Like, can he even swing? And then the next swing, he hit a bomb to dead center, and you're like, all right. This guy rakes. I'm excited to see him healthy. I think he's going to be – he, he is. He's one of the best third basemen in baseball, so easy to put him on this list. But who does that leave for number one? This one might surprise some people, but it really shouldn't. Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I think the only reason this might surprise people is because he plays for the Cleveland Guardians and they haven't been great. And it's like you don't have a ton of national people tuning in to watch them when they're not very good right now. But Jose Ramirez is, in my opinion, going to be the best third baseman in baseball again this year. He's a switch hitter. I think he could be on the move. That's going to be interesting as well. 
I, I think he could be on the move. This Guardians team isn't, isn't going to be great. So what do they do with him? Do they keep him? Do they build around him? Do they get a bunch of pieces in return for him? I don't know. But this guy's a switch hitter that plays good defense. He rakes. He steals a bunch of bases. He stole 20-plus bags last year. I really, really like watching Jose Ramirez play baseball. And I think when all is said and done in 2022, I think he's going to be the best third baseman in baseball. Will he be the best third baseman for the Cleveland Guardians when the year's over? I don't know. I don't know where he's going to be. But I got him at number one on this list. But as we did with first baseman, let's do the the next up, the next five list that just missed out on that list. All right, starting off with Manny Machado. Yeah, again, this is in this is in no order. These next five, just uh, five first basemen that I struggled to to not put in the top five that just missed it. Manny Machado. Um, look, he he's still really good. He still rakes. He's going to be at the third. He's going to be at the hot corner for the Padres, and he's going to hit a bunch of bombs. He's going to play well defensively. I like Manny Machado a lot. He just missed the list. Uh, Juan Mancado. Yeah, Juan Mancada last year was having a fantastic year, um, especially leading up to the All-Star break. He's getting better and better and better. He's still young. He, he was, I really struggled with him as well. These lists are tough, man. These lists are tough. I, that's what I love about baseball. I love doing these lists because there are so many good players that you could put on this list. Yoan Mankata just missed the list as well. I really like him. A switch hitter. Um, the, the White Sox are going to be really good this year, and he's going to be an important piece for them. Can't forget Justin Turner. Justin Turner. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what more can you say? We all, we all know how good he is. Uh, it just feels like the longer his career goes on, he just continues to get better, and he continues to rake. And I, I, see, I don't see a lot of regression from him, and I don't foresee that happening this year. I certainly think he's going to be a top 10 third baseman in baseball. Um, and he's going to be close to that top five for sure. Chris Bryant. Yeah, Chris Bryant, which is tough. Like, wh- where do you even list him? I think he plays the most amount of games at third base, but really he plays all over. He can play first base. He can play left field. He can play center field. He can play right field. He plays third base. He can play all over. He's going to be a very valuable asset to a team, and he's a guy that's still out there. He's an important piece that somebody – is still going to get Chris Bryant. Where is he going to go? We've heard talk about the Rockies. That, that really throws a wrench in everything, but that's potential. Chris Bryant is still really good. Former Rookie of the Year, former MVP, former World Series champion, and he's still really good. And then finally, Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman, we talked about him earlier when it came to the defensive side of things. Matt Chapman is the best defensive third baseman in baseball. In fact, he might be the best defender in all of baseball, regardless of position. That's not a far-fetched thing to say. And if he, if he gives you any production with the bat, you're happy. And he has been. You know, he's able to, he's able to hit the ball out of the yard. Um, he's, been, he's been better and better offensively. But defensively, I mean, he's on this list for just how good he is defensively. What a stud over there. What an absolute stud. That, that wraps up the top five third baseman list as well as the guys that just missed the cut. And that wraps up this live show. I'm so glad we did this live because some Carlos Correa news broke right as we were talking about this. Um, look, this episode will be coming out as a normal podcast 
Flipping Bats with Ben Verlander. If you don't, please check it out. The, the podcast means a lot to me, and me and this entire team put a lot of hard work into it. So Flipping Bats with Ben Verlander. This live episode will be coming out full on audio, full video, everything coming out just a little bit later, but I'm glad we were able to do this one live. Make sure you check us out on all social medias. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, where all the episodes and videos come out via YouTube. Make sure you check that out. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts is where you can find it. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it may be, check it out there. But baseball is back. It's really exciting. Free agency is rolling. There's still a lot of moves to be made. So we will be coming back soon with another episode and more updates. But thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being here. And I will see you next time on Flipping Bats.